allowed to bring you the word. So I'm grateful. Um, I started off like maybe last Monday or something, and I was practicing with my wife. and uh, Me and my wife, we read scripture and pray together uh, with each other and with our girls. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, you want to like just like hear what I'm going to share? She's like, yeah, go ahead. And so I had this like dope intro, right, that I kind of practiced. Like, man, this is going to get their attention. And that was my whole focus, getting their attention. About three days later, I was convicted by 1 Corinthians 2. It, it, say, it says this. Let me, just, let me just read it to you. Um, I said, man, I can't do that. I have, to, I have to be me. I have to do what God would have me to do. And this is, what, this is what Paul says. He says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's where I want to be at. That's where I want to be. I don't want to claim to know nothing else in front of you guys right now but Jesus and him crucified. And the only thing that I know to do is to beg for your attention. That's it. I can't come up with clever ways to try to get your attention. All that I know that was, was real for me is to ask you, can, can you just spend this time with me? Just hear me out and examine whether this Jesus is who he say he is, whether this whole gospel is foolishness, or is it the truth? Is it foolishness, or is it the truth? Let us pray. My God, we're here. We're here, Father. I'm here, Father. You're here. Your people is here. The church is here, God. We need to hear a word from you. Father, would you, would you speak through me in this time, Father? Here I am, Father. I'm yours, God. I'm yours, Father. May the words that are spoken give grace to the hearer, Father. You know that all that I desire, Father, is that their affections be stirred for you, God. That our affections be stirred, Father, towards you, Father. I can't save anyone, God. Only you can. So I just pray that your spirit would do the work, Father. Just captivates our, our mind, our heart, our soul, our body, God. Captivate us, my Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, you have a black Bible next to you. Um, on page 973 is what we're going to come out of. Um, the scripture um, is going to be Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. On page 973. When you have it, say amen. That means a couple of y'all don't got it yet. <laughs> I'm going to wait a couple more. Now, when you have it, say amen. 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 We're going to leave some of you slackers behind to catch up. Here we go. Paul says this to the churches in Galatia. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I 
who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul writes this this letter to the churches in Galatia, frustrated. Frustrated. Because they began to listen to a different gospel that Paul says is not a gospel. Right? If you read, if you read Galatians chapter 1, he says this, he says, verse 6, I am astonished. It baffles me that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who troubles you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. There were there were men, Jewish men, Judaizers, whatever you want to call them, who came in and said, I, I hear this gospel of justification uh, in Christ alone. I hear it, that a man is made right with God by faith alone. I hear it. But do not forget the law. You see how, you see how it's subtle, but they're adding to it. Don't forget the law, though, because, you know, the law is holy, right? We would agree the law The law is holy, so you can't forget the law, right? And these men start championing circumcision, even so much that some of the Galatians were actually circumcised. They gave ear to a gospel of works, of do these things and you will be made right with God. Some of us hear this and and we're like, oh, we would never do that. But I tell you, I have to push that, that down almost every week to not try to work my way. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but you, you know how, and I've heard this and I, and I practice this a lot, you know how I know or I kind of gaze if a person really trusts and believes in the gospel, especially someone I'm in community with? This is when I know. Find yourself deep in sin. Find yourself struggling with sin. And I'm not talking about, oh, I just lied, I just cussed. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sins that you couldn't dare to even speak out your mouth. That's what I'm talking about. And then I see what their brother or sister does. Does he run from Christ or run to Christ? Because if he runs from, that brother doesn't understand the gospel. Doesn't understand the gospel. We run to Christ. Why? Because we are justified in him and in him alone, not by anything that we could do. Not by anything. I cannot keep the law. I cannot stop lying. And Oh, let me, like, I stopped lying, God. Am I good now? I stopped lusting, God. Am I good now? It's silly. We're justified by Christ. And this is the point that, that Paul is trying to get. Paul, he, he, he uses uh, uh, the prophet Habakkuk as, as a kind of a reference. Uh, uh, Jewish people would have heard this. Uh, Habakkuk 2, uh, uh, verse 4. Habakkuk 2 and 4, it, it says this. Habakkuk is a prophet. A little, little background. He's, he's a prophet. And he is just hurt by the fact that he sees wickedness. He's, he's mourning that, that he sees wickedness all around the land, and it seems like God is doing nothing. 
seems like God is doing nothing. And he waits, and he wants to hear from God. And, and this is what God says. God tells Habakkuk, he says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. Verse 3, for, for still the vision awaits its appointed time, and hasten to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed. It is not upright within him. For the righteous shall live by faith. This is what they come to many of their minds when, when they hear this justification or, or that the righteous live by faith. This is what will come to their mind. When, in verse 4, when it says, behold, his soul is talking about the Chaldeans or, or the Babylonians. When it says his soul is puffed up, these were an arrogant people, a people who trusted inwardly. He says, but the righteous, not like the Chaldeans, not like the Babylonians, the righteous, they live by faith. Let me help you. The Babylonians, they trust in themselves. The righteous, they trust in God, not themselves. We trust in God. And, and this, is, this is a little background of, of how we get to verse 20. So let us, let us dig in here. Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. When we talk about justification, before, before we try to get any understanding, let's understand this, that those who are in Christ are dead. We have died a death there with Christ. When he was on the cross, dead, he stood in my place, and my old nature was there with him. I am dead, crucified, done, dead with Christ. Paul, now, first, Paul is not saying that he was the man on the right. He's not saying that he died with Christ. He was the man on the left. Paul is in the sense he's, it, it's like, he sees a reality that's more real than the reality that we see, right? The reality of him being dead, it's a real reality, more real than us being alive. It's real. I died with Christ. It's true. And that's what Paul is saying. I am crucified with Christ. The King James Version says this, and I love it. It says, it says, it says nevertheless, I live. Got these new school Bibles, you know, they don't say that. It, they took out the nevertheless. I like the nevertheless, so we're going to keep the nevertheless. I live, right? It says, nevertheless, I live. This is beautiful because it goes to his point of the spiritual outlook that he has. The never, the, I'm dead, but I live. I'm dead, but I live. What is this I live? He's not talking about I live now. He's talking about this eternal life, that there is life after this. I'm dead. Nevertheless, I live. I live now, but I also live forever. Do we look at ourselves like that? When we come to Christ and when we think of the resurrection, do we look at ourselves like that? Or do we think when we die, it's over? 
part of the part of the problem with the churches in Galatia was this. I assume they got numb to the message. Want to start adding stuff. You know how I got a couple people like this at work. Should I call her out? She might hear the sermon. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna say her name. I'm not gonna say her name. Praise God. You know, <laughs> you know how people have have jobs and because they may feel like they're not doing nothing, they start adding stuff to it. I need to do something else, right? To make it seem, to make it seem. And my brothers and my sisters, I'm going to say it now and I'm going to say it again. Christ did not die for who we pretend to be. Christ died for who we really are. You shouldn't have to come here with brothers and sisters and have to fake who we are, have to put on a, a front. If I'm broken, I'm, I'm broken. And that's how me and my wife have approached our relationship. There's no fake in there. I'm a messed up dude. I know what she done. And homegirl, she, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? And in that, we can see the gospel. Because in spite of our flaws, we love each other. We love each other. Christ did not die for who we pretend to be. He died for who we really are. My homegirl, she ain't doing nothing. I know she ain't doing nothing, but she pretend to work, don't she? Not knowing that her job is important. Just what they told you to do. Evidently, if they're going to keep paying you, for, just do what they told you to, to do. Your job is to sit there and count the paper clips. Praise God. <laughs> It's an important job. <laughs> Do what? And for us, it's faith and faith alone. We're justified by Christ, by Christ alone. So he said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I have eternal life. And it's real. I'm crucified, I'm dead, and I live. And then he says this. He says, it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who live in me. This brother had to be irritating, right? Because, yes, he's writing to a church in Galatia. I'm sure other people read it, right? And this was read out loud. I'm pretty sure other Jews heard it. Why are you still talking about this dead Jew? Why are you still mentioning a dead man? Not only are you mentioning him, you say that this dead man lives. Not only lives, he lives in you. That's irritating, ain't it? So we done talking about, okay, okay. Michael Jackson, he's dead, right? How many of us still talk about Michael Jackson? Let somebody admit. And he was the greatest of all times, right? His glory still fades. The, gra- the, the grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our Lord that stands for Michael Jackson, okay. When Michael Jordan died, he's going to have his run. You know what I'm saying? We're going to talk about Jordan. Have them in the greatest of all time, one of the goats. But it's going to fade. Prince, my mama loved Prince. It's going to fade. Alexander the Great. It's going to fade. Why is this guy not fading 2,000 years later and we still talking about him? And only talk about it. I stand here and proclaim Christ lives in me. 
Christ lives in you, Christian. It's irritating, but it's true. (laughs) It's true. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. The good that I do, is it me? Uh -uh. But it's Christ. It's Christ. The love that I show, is it me? It's Christ. Right? Nor I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. He says this, in the life I now live in the flesh. So he takes it from, from, from spiritual into like mortal, like the life I now live right here in the flesh, right now. This life right now that I live, I live, he says this, I live by faith in the Son of God. My brother and my sister, is that how you live your life? By faith. This faith here, faith, do you live your life by trusting in and looking to Jesus? I look to Jesus for wisdom. I I live this life looking to Jesus for joy. I look look to Jesus for patience. I, I trust in Jesus. For salvation. When times get hard and you're stressed out, things are not going the way you feel that it should. Where do you run? I'll tell you where I run. I run to Netflix. I don't want you to just hear these words. When, when, I seem, when I seem to just not be able to get it right, it seems like sin just continues to just knock me your head. And I don't want it to, right? I don't want it to. When I feel unclean, right? When I feel undone, right? When I feel disgusted with my own self, you cannot tell me, Christian, that you do not want to run away from God. We, we sing a song, and it's kind of awkward to sing, right? It says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Why do we sing that? That's an awkward thing to sing. Outside of the fact that it's true. So here's why we sing it. It's true. Prone to wonder. Prone to run from the God that we love. So when we say the life that I now live, I live by faith. I live my life running 
to him. I live my life trusting in him. I fail and I get back up and I run. I fail. I get back up. He chases me and I run. I fail. I get back up. I see him with arms open wide. He embraces me. I fail again and I get back up and I run to him and I never stop running to him. Never stop running to him. Do you know how many times I've came in this building wanting to stop running? But then I see him. I hear of this love. And I say, can it be? Can it be that God being holy and just and perfect and majesty, brilliant and glory and splendor, where, where the angels worship him and bow down to him? Seated on high in his throne, can it be that he looks upon me with love and say, come here, my child? Why do you even consider running? Do you know how much I love you? Do you not see the cross or did you forget? Do you think the just live by faith? Or do you think the just live by trusting in their own works? Guys, many a times I didn't want to just bail out. Just thinking, it can't be that this God would love me. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Because I think sometimes as Christians, we can be a little just general. 16 or 17, 16 or 17, I, um, and I'm going to use this transition to get into what Paul says next. 16 or 17, I condoned and I was a part of the murder of a child, an unborn child, around age 16 or 17, and have you ever had a sin that you look back on and you like, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. One of mine. It doesn't matter if I was in Christ or it doesn't matter. You can look back and just, it just makes you cringe. Just cringe. And that this God would love me. This is what Paul, this is what Paul, I, I assume, had to think through when he made this statement. When he says, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. My favorite part in the whole text who loved me. Paul wasn't always Paul, right? 
I mean, Saul, wasn't he? And what did he what did he do? What did, what did he do? Did he, did he go into these Christian gatherings and tear apart wives from husbands and, and fathers from, from sons and, and grandmothers from, from grandchildren? Separating family. What did he do? Acts 7. Acts 7. What, did, what did he do? Is this the same? Saul who at the least gave approval to the stoning of Stephen to death? That this man was stoned to death? And they laid the garments at whose feet? At Saul's. Wasn't he a blasphemer? This crucified Christ, this dead man is just that. He's just a dead man. That's it. He's nothing more. He's no Messiah. He's no king. He's not God. Isn't that? A black, isn't that? That's Paul. Let's not just look at him as a character in Scripture. This is a human, like us. And this man, he loves me. He loves me. Me. Not the fake me. He loves me. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you've done. He loves you. You. Right now, God did not love the 16-year-old Tayshawn any less or any more than he loves the 25-year-old Tayshawn. He loves him equally. I didn't get myself together and earn more love from God. You got to get this. You don't earn more love from God. His love is the same. 16-year-old Tayshaun to 50 years old, his love would be the same. And it is an everlasting love. A love that endures. A love that is perfect. This is the justification that we have that God justifies. The sinner. God justifies the sinner. He loved me. And he gave himself up for me. He gave himself up for me. I love how Paul uses me. Paul knows that he loves us. He gave himself up for us. But just like the Galatians, how often do we forget that? Oh, yeah, God can save him. God can forgive her. Paul knows that he died for us. No, that's true. But right now, I'm going to say he died for me. For me, because I need to remember that. I need you to, when you reflect, remember that he died for you. Gave him up. I want us to just behold the man on the cross. Just look at him. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, 
It's the man on the cross. And ask yourself, why is he there? Why is he there? It's the man on the cross. Why is he there? Is he there because he committed some type of sin? Why is he there? I, I know why this man is there on the right. I know why he's there. He's a sinner. He's a malefactor. I know why this man on the left is there. He's a thief. I know why he's there. He's this other man. Can't quite put my finger on it. Why is he there? Oh, I see some some words. It says, King of the Jews. Hmm. I thought the Jews only had one king. That was God. Is he there because he claimed to be God? Well, is he? This man hung on a cross, you guys, so that we can be in relationship with God. He died on that cross because a relationship was broken, and he died to make us right with God. This man hanging on that cross. To other people, this is foolish, you guys, and we got to understand this. If you take the average person, a guy with a nice car and a bling bling and, you know, and you take him right back here in the alley and you put a man up on a cross, at best he'll feel sorry for that man and be like, why y'all do my mans like that? Go ahead and get him down. That's horrible. And then you say, hey, that guy is, is, is God. Stop playing. Get the man down off the cross. Right? Things are beautiful. I, I was looking at the sun, and I was looking at, like, like, Jupiter and stuff like that, and things are beautiful at a distance, you guys. The sun is beautiful, but at a distance. The closer I get, the more it don't look so beautiful. It's starting to look a little sketchy, right? It's starting to get a little t- afraid. Jupiter, it looks beautiful, but the closer I get, I know I can't survive there, so we'll be going back home. Everything looks beautiful. Not of course, but in some way, the cross for us looks beautiful, right? Even some people that are not Christian that I talk to, they will say, hey, bro, that's a beautiful story. I still can't vibe with it. Still, I still don't accept it. It's beautiful, though. It's a nice story. I ain't going to be able to do it. He loved me. He died for me. Guys, why is he there? And is this for you? Can you accept that you cannot get yourself together to be presentable before God. Can you accept that Christ has done it all for you there on that cross? Can you accept that? And so I just want to end how, how Paul ends in verse 21. It says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If righteousness was through me keeping and doing works, why did he die? Why did he die? If Christ did not pay for my debt to the full, I'm talking about if I owe one measly cent, 
I'm hell bound. There's no hope for me if I owe anything. If I owe anything to God, there's no hope for me. Christ paid our debt, and he paid it to the full. And we come to God trusting and knowing that. So if you're a Christian today, this is why we come. This is why we come to the table. His death, his body, the blood that was shed, it was for us. And when we come to this table, we, we're saying we're going to proclaim it. We're going to proclaim it until he comes. You know how oftentimes we've done this part, and I said, well, I sinned this week. Should I take the bread? What is that doing? Is that trusting in him? Is that living by faith? Or is that looking inward, looking at what I've, what I've done? Because to be, to be truthful, we all sin this week. Because some of us notice it. Some of it is like outwardly. Some of it is just like inward. We don't know. And I'm not, hear me, I'm not saying don't repent of our sins. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is look to Jesus. That's all I want you to hear. Look to Jesus. Um, so let us, let us pray um, and then we'll come up and just take the bread and the cup. If you're not a Christian, um, we like to say here at Soma is just, just another meal, right? It does nothing for you. You don't have to take it. Just, just consider. Just consider the words that were spoken. And if this man, that was God. I know you probably wrestle with if he was God. I'm saying that he is God. God on his cross, did he do it for me? Let us pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you so much just for this opportunity just to share of your word. I pray that the words that were spoken just stir up your people. Just to run to you, just to know that they're justified because you have justified them by grace. I pray that they leave here knowing that they are loved, that they are truly loved who they are, that they're loved by a gracious and loving God. Father, I cannot wait till one day see you. I cannot wait to see you, God.